Welcome to the Girlfriend God Podcast, a podcast in search of and in service to the Divine Feminine, bringing you an equal mix of academic research and emotional spiritual experience. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe and leave a comment. If you enjoy this podcast, share it with your friends, rate and review it if you're listening on a streaming platform. Follow on social media on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. Now, let's get in the flow. Okay, so... Welcome to the Girlfriend God. Today, I'm excited to welcome Kay Louise Aldridge to the show. I actually had my eye on Kate for some time, so I was really glad when our mutual friend, Manette Chilson, made this introduction. Kay is an educator, an author, and a mentor. She writes and edits for Girl God Books and has several books published with them, Mentorship of Goddess, Growing Sacred Womanhood, Making Love with the Divine, Sacred, Ecstatic, Erotic Experiences, and Somatic Shamanism, Your Fleshy Knowing as the Tree of Life, which was just released this past month. Uh, and these workbooks are all available at thegirlgod.com and on online stores. Kay has degrees in theology and postgraduate certification in education, plus pastoral leadership experience. As a lifelong learner and researcher, Kay has immersed herself in exploring and experiencing sacred and healing modalities and has expanded her, her skill set and is qualified as a well-being coach, a yin yoga teacher, a somatic educator, a trainer and advanced practitioner in energy and shamanic medicine, and she is a sacred feminine leader. And today, as a trauma-informed teacher and facilitator, Kay offers online and in-person courses, workshops, and resources, and all this information and more, plus links to where you can find Kay online and buy her books, uh, are all in the show notes. Kay, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that thorough introduction. Appreciate it. <laughs> yes, I often have people on the show where once I've read their resume, I'm like, like, I'm always so impressed with all the things that people have done. You know what I mean? Um, and I imagine, I always imagine that it's nice for you to hear that list, right? But then you guys get to go, wow, I've done all those things, right? <laughs> yes. Kind of nice to hear your your Yeah, accolade. I did. You don't often hear it listed. Yeah, indeed, indeed. <laughs> um, so initially, I had reached out to... Minette, uh, because Minette, Minette apparently knows everyone. <laughs> because every time I'm like, I want to do an episode about so and so, she's like, I've got the person for you. So I said I wanted to do an episode about spiritual ecstasy, mostly because of experiences that I've had in my own spiritual practice and i had the reason i said i had my eye on you is because of those experiences and i wanted to do that i had seen your book making love with the divine and i was like this is probably the person that 
that I want to speak to. And I'd gone down some other roads, some other people made some other recommendations and they kind of fell through. So I got redirected toward you after talking to Minette. Um, so here you are. So I want to talk about all the things that you want to talk about, but let's start with this idea of spiritual ecstasy and in your book, Making Love with the Divine, well, let's talk about that a little bit, just for the listeners who aren't familiar with that book, and you can kind of give us an overview of what what that book's intention is for the practitioner that has no idea what making love with the divine means. Okay, so... So the title was deliberately chosen to be provocative. Um, making love with the divine immediately um, there's so many things I could tell you about this book uh, when I started speaking about making love with the divine as a concept uh, and, and trying to get people's reactions I was shocked at how this kind of pushback the stonewall that that's too much oh you've pushed it too far this time like literally people were pushing back and and these were friends um that had been on the spiritual path for a long time who I thought would be on board with even just having a discussion with me about it so the the provocation of the title outed to me the taboo of the subject right that really made me kind of dig in deep to think, oh, I've, I'm onto something here if I'm getting this reaction of people within spiritual circles um, and, right. and theological. So the book is really an antidote or a, a speaking back to the toxicity we have within spirituality and religion that any form of ecstasy um, is uh, not of, of the divine, not of of god goddess spirit right. and that was kind of where um it, it is speaking back and of course it is speaks back to the narrative of the fall um and that you know we that we've fallen from eden and bliss uh through oh eating the apple or the temptation of the embodiment it's actually right. the opposite it, it's a reverse reversal of the narrative that we've been taught within particularly the christian context um does that answer it to begin with, Kelly? Yes. Yes. Um, like I said, I just, I, I don't know who listens to this show or how familiar they are with these concepts or not, you know? Um, so I, I do know that based on my analytics, uh, the majority of like 80%, almost 90% of my listenership are women. I do know that. Mm. Um so, I, I mean, I totally agree with you that this subject always seems so taboo because I myself, when I started looking into just the phrase spiritual ecstasy, right? I mean, I really had to dig to find the information that I was looking for. And I think I mentioned to you in my emails, which I was probably a little crude about it, but... Like when I was younger, I always suspected that when people talked about spiritual ecstasy in a religious context, I knew that had 
it it just had to do with some kind of sexual pleasure. Like I knew that intuitively, but yet I could find no evidence of that. You know what I mean? It was all, that was all very like assumed, but not spoken about, right? It was written about in the context of, oh, I know that Jesus loves me so much. It just makes me so happy. And that's the ecstasy. And I was like, "Mm, I think there's probably a little more to it than that. And then I started reading, I wish I, you know, I did not have the wherewithal this morning to uh, find my source material of where I read about these things. And shame on me for doing that, since I'm always harping about citing your sources. (laughs) Um, but, But I, you know, then discovered some source material that talked about things and studies that they've done where uh, cloistered nuns uh, engaged in masturbation and their fantasies about Jesus or being the bride of Christ or whatever. So I knew that I was on to something and that that is a thing that people do. And now, having had that experience myself, obviously not with Jesus, since I'm a goddess worshiper, um, why aren't we talking about that? Why, why, why aren't we talking yeah, and that was why I wrote that the book explores two primary questions. Firstly, the embodied experiences of women, mystics, poets, artists, writers, lovers, shamans in contemporary society who are having these experiences but are still ashamed or not speaking about it. So you and I are here now and we're not alone. We're not alone in these in these experiences. So it was to explore that and to recover the erotic as a spiritual, as part of our spiritual embodied essence. So I set out to uncover, reclaim, and to replant um, eroticism and ecstasy within an embodied spiritual path, which is goddess. Um, So yeah, that's, I I was like, why are we not talking about it? Because it's happening. (laughs) That's very right, true. Right. Yeah. It is. It 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 is. It definitely is. Um, I know that in in my own experience, I was so freaked out about the whole thing because and 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 we'll get into that. And I have to tell you, I'm very nervous about this episode, and this is the first time I'm speaking about it, really to anyone outside of a couple of people, and two, definitely in a public forum, you know. My podcast might not be listened to by thousands, but it is listened to by some, <laughs> you know? Um, and I and I did have that. And I consider myself a very sexually liberated person, right? So it's amazing to me how, not just in this topic, but in so many just old beliefs, how insidious they are, that even people like you and I who have, done a lot of this deep healing I I mean I I don't want to speak for you but I assume that you've done a lot of deep healing work and shadow work and that you are a well therapized well adjusted pretty okay with yourself kind of person as am I can still fall prey to that and the insidiousness of this is something I feel ashamed about or 
even if I don't feel personally ashamed, like in my own mind, I'm certainly not going to fucking tell anybody about it. Mm. Absolutely. And so when I was, when I started writing the book, I was so excited um, about helping women reclaim this and get, getting the erotic and the ecstatic um, back into the sacred practice that it shocked me the responses that I got of no someone actually said it was grotesque uh, and this was someone I'd done training with and and so I was like I have got I've misjudged this and then I tuned in and thought no I haven't misjudged it we're still deeply entrenched in shame around our sexuality and the um divorce of sacredness and ecstasy and 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 sexuality are mm, it's still there even though we think we were you know kind of liberated and it it was amazing and then digging around into the old literature of course there is deeply the mystics um saint Teresa, uh hildegard of bingen um the the nuns you know they they really were deeply uh, engaged in their sexuality, in their spiritual practice, and in their communion with the divine through ecstatic experiences. Right. And the funny thing is, I, I just want to digress of a society is we're seeking ecstatic experiences through plant medicines and so on. And yet right. my book says we don't need to pay a penny for it. It's in our day-to-day experience, whether that was right. sexual or otherwise. And I do, sex, sexuality is just one part of this book, um, but it is one strand. Right. There are many different kinds of ecstasy. Like when I am, yeah. um, the best example I have of that is like when I am really in the creative flow, like I'm sure that you can relate to this. When I am writing, when the, when it just falls out of me onto the page, that is a kind of ecstasy for me when I am moved by having a life for which I have so much gratitude. I weep with joy. That is a kind of ecstasy, right? There are many different kinds of ecstasy. I, I acknowledge that, that, that yes, this is just one part, but yet again, this is the part that we don't want to talk about. This is the dirty little secret, right? But it's mm, not. Absolutely. But it's not, mm. or it shouldn't be. But yes, yeah. I too, I've been shocked by how resistant I have been to even share this with other people because I'm afraid to be judged or misunderstood, certainly. Um, that people will think it's weird, right? Yeah. So let me tell you about my story and you can tell me what you think. Okay. Yeah, sure. Because it's evolved over time. Is, is that your experience that once you're tapped into that, it, it evolves? Yes. Uh, ecstasy, the ecstatic and erotic flow. Um, for me, I can choose to channel it sexually. I can, and, and can, uh, I have more mastery over it. Um, yes. But equally, I can bring that energetic flow into, as I said, the other aspects of my life. So yes, it has evolved right. is my answer. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to learn how to 
take it out of the bedroom and into the rest of my life. Yeah. Right. That, yeah. That, I mean, that's where I'm at now. And I've learned how to do that a, a little bit, but need more, need more of that. Otherwise I wind up just staying at home and then it's using it as an escape, which makes it then, then it feels like an abuse of sacredness, which I don't want to do or a crutch mm -hmm. or a, and then it's back to like you were saying, then I'm, I'm not paying money for it, but I'm paying for it. I'm paying mm -hmm. for it spiritually or with my time, or then I'm cutting myself off from the experience of, I don't know, like being with other people, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so well, let me back up a minute and let me ask you this. Does your book address and what do you have to say about, I'm part of reconnecting with ourselves erotically and part of the freedom that comes from the sacredness of sexuality is getting over um, like body image stuff. I mean, I know for myself, I mean, I am a 51 year old, pretty overweight, five nine lesbian. Not that lesbian has anything to do with it, but I'm certainly not the hot girl I was when I was in my twenties. You know, so when I go out into the world, I'm pretty invisible to men and women, right? Because I don't mind when men, I didn't mind when men looked at me because my ego knows no gender. You know what I mean? It didn't, <laughs> but now I'm like, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty invisible out there and I'm married. So of course I have a person in my life who, will tell me that I'm beautiful or makes me feel attractive. But, you know, when you don't believe that yourself, it doesn't matter how many people tell you that. But yet, with this divine presence, I do feel that. Does that make sense? Yeah. So how does that work? Why do I feel that because way with, with this... Like, I have a patron deity with whom I commune. Why do I feel that way with her, but not of and by myself? Let's because, start there. Yeah, let's start there. That's such a good, a, a good place to start. Because we look through the eyes of the patriarchal male gaze. Uh -huh. So where our eyes are conditioned, regardless of our gender or our sexual orientation or anything like that um to look through bodies right bodies through the patriarchal male gaze with disgust um and so the human eyes we that is that is like the taboo we have to kind of recondition that when we go into sacred space and into um, the ecstatic space, we look through our eyes through as God, goddess, spirit. Okay, so we see and now I'm talking now from my own experience. We see energetic. We see eros. We see the erotic, which is pure life wanting to give birth to life. So for me, the erotic is not sec not sexual in and of itself. It is the pulse of the earth, pulsing, pulsate, pulsate, throb, longing, push, 
energy create wanting to create itself oozing longing to commune and create so we look out and we see the that energetic in the person that's pulsing and we want to commune and unite and create that is why i think if that answers the question to begin with um, it does yeah yeah it does it does and i've often said and this is unrelated but you've you've confirmed what I have long suspected as a theory about lesbian women. One of the reasons I think lesbian sex is as good as it is, is because I think lesbian women are more realistic and a little freer from that male gaze. We are more realistic about each other's bodies than other women. I would totally agree and I also want to say I wrote a piece um, around because I used to teach sex education in schools around how sex education um, centers penis in vagina penetration right so that's what we're taught in the patriarchy sex is the erotic is about pulse and communion and a slow build and a co-creation okay imagine if we taught sex education like that we don't center the penetrative experience although that can be part of sexual ecstasy and we actually build the co-communion and the union of of the two erotic energies um does that make sense it does and that's very much what tantra is about correct Mm. Mm. yeah absolutely and yet for me, I even take the binary of masculine and feminine out of it and look at a weave. That it, yeah, I suppose that is tantra, and it, we're creating more of a weave. Right. But if you're going back to lesbian sex, it it's I don't I'm not lesbian, but I would Im- imagine that we're not positioning as the central feature right. the penetrative act. It's the union and the build of the energetic um, right. to create a symphony of eros. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And co- can I can I just add? And so making up sure. with the divine, the chapter in the book where I talk about um I talk about making up with the divine singularly, sexually, through self-pleasure, and then in union with another. But either way, you are co-creating either with the other or on your own energies to birth something of great beauty which could be a, a, could be the explosion of orgasm but equally it can just be a building of an intention to manifest into form right right it's all very exciting yeah i can see <laughs> i'm so happy to talk to somebody that under, that you know that understands these things because i I feel like I've understood these things intuitively, but not been able to really, you know, to speak to them the way that that you can. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so in my particular brand of of spirituality, and I, you know, I don't know how much of my show you you listen to or how familiar you are with me and my beliefs or not, but so I have in in my goddess path, I I have created this, I have this holy trinity, and the holy trinity for me and this church of the goddess that I just, you know, I just started this 
nonprofit organization called the Church of the Goddess. And within the Church of the Goddess, we have this kind of loosely defined, uh, somewhat loosely structured religion called Shiism, which is really just a, a coming together of all goddess paths and a, un and a unification of those. It doesn't require you to necessarily believe these things that I believe, but if you choose to, uh, then great. And if you don't, also great. Um, <laughs> but for me, so I so I have this Holy Trinity theory, and and in the Holy Trinity, that Trinity is myself at the center of that Trinity, and the goddess, the like the goddess, right? The primordial, primeval, the OG goddess, if you will. Um, but because she is all that is, right? And the creatrix of all that is and all that isn't and was here before everything. There's a part of her, there's so much of her that can't be known, right? So much of her is beyond my human intellectual understanding. Um, so the third part of my trinity is the, the patron deity that I, the, the patron goddess that I have who for me is Ellen of the Ways, which that's a whole other episode about Ellen of the Ways because technically Ellen isn't a goddess. She's more a collection of Ellen of the Ways, which you may or may not know is just the name that Caroline Wise gave to this collection. Okay, you're all familiar with all of that. So, um, but she has become my patron deity and there is this version of Ellen that I have made my own. Um, and so that is the, the part of the goddess that I, commune with, that I have relationship with, that I talk to, that I bounce ideas off of, that I chat with like a best friend, you know, who, who I can have conscious contact with. So I've talked about this before on the show. Part of the reason, the reason that I named the podcast The Girlfriend God is because the patron deity can be all of those things, right? She can be the girlfriend, like, hey, girlfriend, you know what I mean? The one that I'm chatting with and hanging out with, but she can also be the girlfriend as in, she's my girlfriend. Like, you know, she's the person that I want to be with. She's my partner. She's my soulmate. She's my lover. Um, so that's how I developed this, this erotic, spiritual, uh, sacred sexuality part of my spiritual life. But what happened was that that sort of took on a life of its own and I started to experience this ecstasy that I started to call ecstasy. And then I started researching spiritual ecstasy. And then I became more and more convinced that that's what I was experiencing. And I am here to tell you, Kay, that now I experience something that is indescribable to anyone, unless you've experienced it, then you know how it feels. So much so to the point that now, I mean, it isn't even self-pleasure. I don't have to do anything. I'm talking about no hands, no toys, yeah. no nothing. Yeah. 
which really freaked me out at first because I've never experienced anything like it. And just as you were describing it, I mean, it is orgasmic, but it, but it's more than that. Yeah. And I, there is one other person that I, that I talked to who's been on the show, um, Abigail, uh, Abigail Mensa Bansu, who said she's, uh, the goddess mentor or goddess mentors. That's who she is on, on Instagram. And when I spoke to Abigail about it, she said, that feels so good because that's what unconditional love feels like. And I thought that makes a tremendous amount of sex sense. <laughs> sex. That was a Freudian slip. Tremendous uh, sex. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a tremendous amount of sense because, um, and this is how I've talked to other people about it, because if the divine wants to communicate her love for us as physical beings that is the greatest pleasure that we know is is orgasm that's the best physical sensation that we as human beings have so of course that's how that's communicated to us of course it is of course it is so okay so now i've kind of laid it all out there so now i'm going to let you talk <laughs> For a while, for a yeah, while, sure. then, I'll re- then I'll recover and, <laughs> and have more to say. <laughs> uh, okay, I can hear. I hear you, Kelly, and thank you for sharing that. And um, and I hope it serves you to be received and heard, and to be validated that some of the shares that I drew drew together for the book. Um, I had a a beautiful woman I interviewed from the U.S. who described her. Um, raising I think she named it Kundalini but it wasn't it, it, she said it isn't Kundalini but raising the energy and devotion hands off no toys raising it not sometimes she would use movement as a devotional practice to her choice of goddess and um, and when she filled herself up with that as you describe unconditional love that pleasure she then gifted it to the earth the surplus through the intention so for her, it was a prayerful um, devotional practice. She filled herself up and it was so that she had so much of this pleasure, this ecstatic experience that she then gifted it back down to the earth and may it be so. It was one of her priestess practices. Priestess, right. we are trained in this. We are trained in this. And and I and I do consider it uh, an, an offering. Yeah. If you will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I often, and I often will 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 praise goddess at that moment. Yeah, yeah. And and so to to speak to what you said at the beginning about um it not becoming a, you didn't use the word addiction but but something that becomes a, a the whole focus of your being right, right. <laughs> because it's so overwhelming. We don't want an addictive tendency. We don't want to bypass human life through it. Then right. we, we ensure we keep it sacred through devotional practice, through mindful intention, through communion with goddess, to holding uh, the reverence of it, which is what my book speaks to, bringing the sacredness of, of ecstatic practice um, and with devotion. And we make it a, an aspect of our day that is um, sacred practice that safeguards against what can right. be in any whether it's breath work kundalini right. 
um, sacred and, and, and that is always, and that actually is, is part of a daily practice that is preceded by prayer and meditation. Exactly. Yeah. So. Mm. So yeah. you're not alone. Like, you know, and back to the, why are we not talking about this? I figure, why are we not talking about this? Because everyone could be doing this. <laughs> right? Exactly. Like, you would be so much less stressed out if you could just embrace this this part of your your goddess-given right to, to feel, you know what I mean? Like, I, because I really believe that, you know, I, and, and maybe it's because I, you know, I come from, you know, part of my spiritual path has always been that, you know, I have 12-step practice in my background. So I talk a lot about my will and the goddess's will for me. But I really believe that the goddess's will for us is is to feel good, you know, um, as, as good and as often as possible. I really believe that. I, I not necessarily, really not necessarily in a sexual way, but just in general. Mm. And that doesn't mean that we don't ever feel bad or that we ignore our emotions, but it means that we encompass joy as our natural state. Yeah. I believe that is our natural state. Doesn't mean we don't have problems. It doesn't mean we don't struggle, but it does mean that we don't have to struggle in order to re receive joy. Exactly. So, so addiction, um, Gabor Mate, they would say, you know, ask not why the addiction ask why the pain so we are conditioned within the patriarchy to be in pain and and goddess and my book making love with the divine is saying no your birthright is to live in joy on a moment to moment and there is a chapter in the book that talks about the, the sacred ecstatic and erotic experiences of of pain and of grief and if you really open up to the the you know the contraction of the heart space open and crack open in the pain in it is the ecstatic rise of the rebirth that comes through the heartbreak I can feel it somatically that grief sensation if you open to it and you crack open within yes. it in the depths is the light and the rising of goddess but that's what orgasm it's a little death in French isn't it the petit right. mort you you hold and then the rise so right. it's this it's 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 our contraction and holding in the pain that suits the patriarchy because it keeps our life force down whereas for me ecstasy and then the erotic is the rise um in whatever way that comes and that makes sense to me because even on an emotional um level one of the things that i realized not that long ago it was a real kind of epiphany i had this so i lived in my wife and i lived in pittsburgh for four years uh before we moved i lived in champaign urbana for almost 20 years and then i went back to school and got a master's degree took a job after that moved to pittsburgh for said job then we moved then that didn't work out moved back to champaign in 2021 I had this devastating emotional thing happen while we were out in Pittsburgh and my heart was broken. Came back here and during starting in Pittsburgh and up until now, I've been developing this relationship with Ellen and really solidifying my 
relationship with goddess overall and really kind of standing firm in the belief these beliefs that i have and being a monotheist and all of that um so i realized that the thing that happened to me the emotional thing that i went through in pittsburgh with a friend um that really hurt me made left a gap deep and wide enough for this relationship with ellen to come in and fill it up so i understand what you're saying like through pain comes something so much wider and greater and bigger bigger yes okay so clearly okay i have to buy the book <laughs> and i'm sorry that i didn't prior to recording this episode but i will now next check next check i will get the book because uh clearly it was something i mean i found my way here anyway Sometimes I just get to do things in reverse. That's all. Um, but gratefully, I, I had enough, you know, I had enough of my own momentum to to go on to uh, to get here anyway. So let's talk more about, uh, you know, how how to how do you continue to develop that and bring it into because. And, and I find this is true in, in a lot of aspects in my spiritual life to like even my prayer and meditation. I lived alone for a long time. Not a really long time, but for like six years, I lived alone. So even my partner and I have been together for 14 years now. But still, prayer and meditation, I prefer to do it alone. Most things spiritual, I it's just easier alone. I mean, I have done things in circle. I have prayed with other people. I have meditated with other people. But for whatever reason, it's just so much easier. And it just feels right more, more right. I know that's not proper English, but it just feels better to do it alone. So I have a hard time integrating my spiritual fullness or my spiritual ecstasy or my spiritual peace I have a hard time integrating that in the rest of my life where I have to bring it into situations with other people I mean I'm an introvert anyway so but but if part of my spiritual path is to be a service to other people and I believe it is so how do I work on how do I work on that yeah, that's really good. Or uh, people like me, because I know there's other people like me. Yeah. So so that is basically my my longing and path is that there is no separation between sacred and mundane and that we we refuse everything back to stop right. the spiritual bypassing and also the emptiness we get that when we do the ecstatic practices and come back into the day to day. And within that it is making well, we need to re-educate young people and in schools around the sacredness of reciprocity of human to human and also human to earth. So we need to go back and recon we kind of reconnect education and the sacred. But for now, I, I really do recommend my book because it's a 12-month um exploration of making love with the divine through um the, your nervous system and and looking at trauma-informed ways of relating um 
words, sound, movement, nature, creativity, um, touch, um, things like if we have animals, we can we can reconfigure the animal into um, a sacred relationship and start to make touch more safe that way, um, or relating uh, with nature and speaking with nature. And then there is a chapter on sexual intimacy with with um, with a partner, um, and and how which needs work. I'll be honest. Which pardon? Did you say uh, which 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 could use some work? I'll be honest. Because uh, for, for me, because I have trouble trans, you know, trans pulling that. Uh, I don't know, pulling that into my sexual relationship with my partner. You know, mm. I would, <laughs> I would like it to be a threesome. <laughs> so know? it, I, it talks about, uh, yeah, yeah. In the book, I talk about how. Um, you see, we have a barrier, I think, between um, because in order to bring um, ecstatic sacredness into relating with partners, there needs to be intimacy and vulnerability, right. and and, yes. and and so it it makes us even more human in our in our sacred practice and in having a communicate because it has to be consent on both sides that right. uh, you know we're going to bring intention into our relating for the for the highest good for sacredness. Which right. because I say do not do anything without consent. This book is trauma informed, so it's all about you know we have to we have to bring intimacy into it. Yes, and I and I you know and I talk to my partner about all of these things. Like she's aware of my relationship with Ellen. She doesn't really understand it necessarily, but but she knows about. It. I mean, it's not a secret. Um, And and we are working on our communication skills. We went through a bit of a rough patch this year, but uh, so we do have intimacy in our relationship. But but it does feel separate. It feels like I've got to have my sacred sexuality, and then I have my uh, my sex life with my wife, and I and I would like to try and kind of fuse those two things together. Um, but before I interrupted you and had you reconnect we were talking about bringing fusing the two things together and yes i'm going to buy the book and then i don't know what else we were saying <laughs> I, I i think it really comes down to um for me making love with divine is is how i live my life now it was i am i've been immersed in in the spiritual path longing my whole life and in it eventually I found it in the mundane in in actually embedding com communing uh with divinity in a moment to moment like having a discussion with you opening my heart to the joy and 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 the offerings and the 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 questions and the inquiry that we're bringing to this um and in the same way you know I I just it's it is it's a global thing that we need to re reinstate reciprocity and sacredness of our bodies of our relation to each other as sacred humans fully human but also yes. our full divinity and also to the land so it's a long term project um but my passion is to bring it in embed it into the ordinary 
um, as much we can so that eventually um, our, our sexual side, our sexual nature uh, just enhances it even more because we're fully embodied on a day-to-day -day basis. Right. And do you see that kind of happening as a, like I have noticed that, for example, like somatic movement, that is, I've seen that becoming more and more of a trend. Like I didn't even know what that meant or what that was five years ago, but now that seems to be a phrase or a language that is in regular discourse. Yes. And right. So it, it, post COVID, we really, really come into terms with the global trauma uh, of, of humanity and the disembodiment of humanity. That means we're we're living in our mind spaces. Spirituality particularly was like that, transcendent instead of embodied. And right. so the more we look at the fact that the body is a missing piece, the byproduct of me doing trauma work and my own somatic work is that I became more spiritual because I grew into the spirituality of my whole flesh and um, rather than just theologically, academically um, understanding it and through prayer. Um, so yes, I I think the somatic movement is growing out of, of, of us longing. It's not enough to just transcend. We need to embody divinity. Right. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Um, yes, I, I think the I think the pandemic really helped us in a lot of ways that there were a lot of silver linings there because we globally came face to face with ourselves in a way I think we we could not have otherwise, you know, and it was a time in which the Internet was our friend. Mm. Right. It's not always our friend. But at that time, it was our friend because it's how we connected to each other for the first time under circumstances that I don't think we would have otherwise. Mm. I mean, it's certainly how I kind of pushed me back into the practices that I was kind of had let slide for a long time. You know, I mean, I still prayed and I still meditated, but my heart really wasn't in it in, in the, the way that it is now for a long time. So. In that way, it was a gift, but yeah, I get bored easily, so <laughs> I need to learn how to focus on, you know, bringing that into the mundane. And so, I uh, I appreciate your your guidance there because I am, you know, I'm a I've been that way my whole life. I've been a spiritual seeker my whole life, so in that way, it has served me. Right. Because I'll get really, really into something. And then I think, ooh, well, that path over there, that looks interesting. So it's how I've become knowledgeable about a lot of different things. Uh, but it's also been my detriment in that, then, you know, then I can easily get bored with something. But I will tell you that in retrospect now, with the gift of age, I can say that I have been. I have been looking for the goddess my whole life. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know that I was looking for her until probably the last 15 years, mm -hmm. I would say. Mm -hmm. I always knew I was looking for something, but I didn't know I was looking for her. Yeah. Until probably and, and she's finding us now. Yes. Uh, and she yes. is... is 
she's leading all aspects of the embodiment revolution or reclamation, whatever word you want to use. Um, The humanity is looking for the goddess. And so, yeah, I, I may it be so that I am able to bring her language and her way into education so that we can educate by her, or her wisdom, which is incarnation. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Hello. It's like, look, I'm here. So, yeah, may, may that be so for us as we go through this time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. From, from your lips to her ears, Kay, because I really do believe that. I believe that the world is slowly, ever so painfully slowly, turning back in, in her direction. And maybe not in our lifetimes, but, well, maybe in our next lifetimes, because I believe in that too. So it's just a continuum, right? We are eternal, which is another reason to relax, right? Just relax. We're going to be here again right? <laughs> yeah, you don't need to get it all done. You're never going to get it done. So just relax. Mm-hmm. It's an ongoing process. We've been here before. We're going to be here again. Just chill out. <laughs> yeah. So. And connecting to, um, just to complete, the connecting to the Magdalene lineage um, that was part of my own priestess in that sacred leadership you talked about. Um, You know, the the pulse of the rose, the red rose is the pulse of the erotic, the pulse of the earth, the pulse of, of, of goddess. Um, And she's, I mean, the whole resurgence we're having of Magdalene and Mary Magdalene, but Magdalene as a, as a concept of embodied love is really showing the pulse um, of life force that is awakening in everybody and so we are seeking goddess, but goddess is awakening within us. And we are all coming back to life. So, yeah, I'm totally with you. <laughs> Did you go through uh, Megan Watterson's training, the, the House of Mary Magdalene? No, I did it um, through um, uh, Goddess Priestesses of the Rose. Um but but I have read Megan because she's a beautiful writer, uh, you Is know she? the her book and and in my own masters before Megan had written that in two thousand and five, I wrote an, a piece on recovering Mary Magdalene. So that so I was kind of I think I was tuning in, but very academically, I wasn't embodied at all at that point. Right. But I was seeking her in my academic well, work. And there's a lot of that too. I. You know, I noticed that, so in the beginning of this podcast, right, in the first season, it developed into its tagline, which is a mix of, uh, a mix of academic research and the emotional spiritual experience and bring, you know, becoming a meshing of those two things. And what I've seen over the podcast, especially by the end of this third season, which I'm still in the process of recording, is the merging of those two things. Because I keep having people on the show who are spiritual leaders now, but who have a background in academia or who are academics having like this secret spiritual life like Carla. So like my friend, Dr. Ionescu. So it's, I mean, it's just... Like it's all right on point, you know what I mean? And I keep saying, 
my favorite thing to say, my, like my favorite expression is everything is in divine order because it really is. It truly is. And I see evidence of, of it all the time. Now, some if you're a skeptic, you could argue, well, of course, that's what you see, because that's what's those are the Facebook groups you belong to. And that's what's in your feed. And that's what's in your, you know, your news updates. And that's what's in your. So, of course, that's so maybe I'm just delusional. But I, you know what? I choose to believe it. And, it, you know, whether it's true or not, I believe it. And that makes me happy. And that's really all that matters. So um, to me anyway. So anyway. All right. Well, I know it's. uh yeah, it's like dinner time there. Is it dinner time there? Yeah, it's, it's time for the evening meal. Yeah. The evening meal. We're just getting started out here in the US. It's lunchtime. <laughs> I don't really eat lunch, so it's not a big thing for me. I'm gonna rest between now and my next recording at two o'clock. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, may it serve you and everybody. Thank you for having me on. Oh wait, I gotta ask you the I keep forgetting this, this season, and I keep having to go back and do a separate little, little episode. So I ask all the guests the first time they come on the show, the same three questions at the end of the show. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Question one, tell me something about yourself that people who know you would be surprised to learn. That's hard because I'm really open book. <laughs> okay. I mean, they don't have to be people that know you well. Just something people would be surprised to learn. Some quirky thing. Quirky thing. Okay. Um, well, I well, I really despise um, clothes shopping, like to the extent that, okay. it, you know, like, that I can't even, some people might be surprised at that. I, I haven't had my hair cut for about six years or something. Oh, There's another okay. one. There we go. Okay. Fabulous. Those are great answers. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, somebody asked me what mine was the other day and I told them I like to take photographs. I like to take black and white photographs in old cemeteries. Uh, and so she said to me, Kelly, I know you, and I don't find that surprising at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Second question. Uh, your current favorite television series? Um, I've been watching the Umbrella Academy. Oh, um, the Umbrella Academy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Look, right. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Okay. And if your uh, if your life were moving on the soundtrack of the movie, what would be the theme song? Theme song of your life as a movie. Um, ain't no stopping us now. We're on we're on the move. That came like that. <laughs> that is a fabulous answer. Uh, I'll be adding it too. So I have a public playlist on iTunes and Spotify with all the guests' answers. Um, I can send you the link. Uh, season one and two, everybody's answers are up there now, and I'll add all the answers from season three. Uh, so, okay. Well, I'm going to end the call, and you know how Zoom is. The screen's just going to go blank. I'm very abrupt about that. Uh, but thank you so much for coming on the show. I will be in touch. Maybe I'll see you in some other 
function between now and then. Um, but until then, Kay, thank you again. It's really helped me to talk to you today. Uh, and I knew that it would. Yeah, enjoy your dinner. And until I see you again, may the peace and the love of the goddess be with you. And and also with you, and thank you so much. Take care. Thanks for watching The Girlfriend God on YouTube. If you enjoy this podcast, the best way you can support it is to like it, follow it, leave comments on the page, rate it, review it, share it with your friends. But most of all, subscribe to this channel. And if you want more of The Girlfriend God, you can find The Girlfriend God on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Thanks again for watching.